Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined as I am twice a week in the fall by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and as well the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports Radio. You can catch it on 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa. Some new numbers there. Lots to get into on the Talking Tide podcast tonight coming hot off the second scrimmage of the spring. Of course, you can get the Talking Tide podcast at our web host at podbean.com and as well on various apps including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And, of course, the Twitter feed is Talkin underscore Tide, T-A-L-K-I-N underscore Tide on Twitter. It's a great way to keep up with the drops uh, as these podcasts are going to begin coming a little more fast and a little more furious for sure. And with that, we bring in Travis Ryer, uh, second scrimmage of the spring. Travis, as we know, this is uh, kind of where the, the as Saban has said in the past, it's kind of where you start putting guys in the right seat on the bus and figuring out maybe who doesn't need to be on the bus for the 2019 season. Yeah, and they got – some good-looking guys on the front of the bus. I think uh, Saturday was more about sort of finalizing uh, how you're going to fill those remaining seats uh, from a depth perspective. Still had some uh, competition going on. Obviously, weak side linebacker, which we're going to get into. A little bit of a surprise in some ways there on Saturday. And also that offensive line, trying to figure out exactly how this group is going to look guard to guard. We know who the tackles are going to be, but some quality options for the guts of that offensive line, I guess you could call it, um, and the kicking game as well. You know, is Will Reichard, the true freshman, uh, what's sort of the ceiling for him as a true freshman between the punting and place-kicking job? So, yeah, in terms of frontline players, we pretty much know those guys. I mean, Alabama had 16 selections uh, this, this week on the coaches' preseason all-SEC team, so we know there's still a lot of star power around here, but those important sort of depth roles, special teams type roles. Well, how are those going to play out? A couple of highlights from Nick Saban's comments. We'll just go ahead and, and dive quickly into some of the things that are out in the news this evening coming off of the scrimmage, and then we'll get into some things that uh, that maybe we've heard through, rather through the grapevine, Travis. But uh, for now, uh, Christian Harris playing a lot of inside linebacker with the ones, uh, a freshman, and of course uh, inside linebacker been a, uh, a central point of talk throughout camp thus far. Uh, injuries uh, there, a, a factor there. Jerome Ford apparently injured. Doesn't look like it's serious, but uh, he, more than anyone else, um, he's he, he's of and there, as I understand it, there were several guys who were shuffling on and off the field today with you know with little dings and 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 a couple of limps and whatnot. Ford, as I understand it, the one who needed the most help off the field of all those guys. Uh, but from Nick Saban's words, it sounds like he'll only be out a week or so. And then uh, the, the the third point. It sounds like Mac Jones has 100% solidified himself as as the two with with some distance. Yeah, and we'll start with Christian Harris because that was certainly interesting going out there for the media viewing periods earlier on Saturday, and we had heard coming out of last week's scrimmage, really earlier in the week, 
that, look, this guy is turning some heads, more so in just his ability and talent. Uh, at 6'2", 244 pounds, as we knew coming in here, the Baton Rouge native uh, was a guy that on the prep level, Chase, had played some corner. You just don't usually see that from guys at 6'2", 230-plus. Uh, but that was Christian Harris uh, at, at, during his uh, high school career uh, at different times. So that made him an intriguing prospect in and of itself. That told you that from an athleticism perspective, he had the goods. Now, you wondered coming in not only as a true freshman, but as a summer enrollee. Remember, this isn't a guy who was around uh, beginning in January and went through spring practice. You wondered about the time frame. Could he get up to speed? Well, apparently... You know, with Josh McMillan going out, he was Mr. Dependable, right? You knew as a fifth-year senior, this guy knows the system. He's not going to bust things. He may not be as uh, physically gifted as, say, a young guy like Christian Harris, but you trusted Josh McMillan. Well, that changed, obviously, when you lost uh, McMillan to that knee injury a week ago today. So that opened the door. That opened uh, the opportunities to pretty much everybody else outside of Dylan Moses and again we go out there Saturday we see Christian Harris we didn't see that all week while we were out there anyway I'm sure they had repped him with the ones obviously um, but what we had seen was Markel Benton uh, with Dylan Moses then we get out there on Saturday there he is Christian Harris and uh, you know based on what we could gather based on Nick Saban's post scrimmage comments I don't think the narrative that Christian Harris may very well start the first game he dresses for at Alabama is going to go away anytime soon, Chase. And, and as you mentioned Benton. My understanding is that he didn't even get the second most reps at that position behind Harris today in the scrimmage. Not sure why or what might may or may not be behind that. But, um, you know, as I understand it, Harris wasn't the only – young guy uh to get a a a pretty significant look yeah shane lee is an is the other true freshman that we had seen even in the spring you know end up repping up with the twos and you know that is a guy in the last week that we've seen a little bit higher in the rotation than he was uh before josh mcmillan's injury so you know you wonder a little bit right for a guy like benton uh, how much that window is closing, perhaps, potentially. But with injuries being what they they are, it, it could very well crack open again. The second-year guys are interesting to me. Ali Caho, uh came in highly regarded after bouncing a little bit from Washington to Tuscaloosa last August. Jalen Moody was a three-star, uh, but a guy that you felt like had a, and still feel like, might very well have a high ceiling. So we're not going to call it, you know, I'm not going to call it is over at this point for a lot of these guys, these other guys in the rotation. But you're right. It sounds like the young guys uh, are, are in a pretty good spot right now when you talk about the immediate and uh, big-picture future at inside linebacker. The Jerome Ford injury, will jump there real quick. I believe at the top of the show uh, I, I mentioned that, that according to Saban, this is pretty pretty short-term injury. However, Travis, uh, as we know, the running back position, especially the way Alabama likes to, um, you know, likes to rotate things, you can never have enough of those guys. You never know when one's going to go down. You never know when two of them are going to go down, uh, especially when a lot of them are, you know, maybe playing special teams and whatnot, particularly toward the back end of the, of the depth chart at that position. Uh, but Trey Sanders already out. Jerome Ford uh, going to be back soon. But when you look at a, a depth chart, 
of Harrison, Harris, and um, Brian Robinson. Robinson, yeah, excuse me. Uh, with Sanders out and now a hobbled Ford, what you what you definitely don't want to see is is uh, a, a hobbled like an aggravation of a hobble for a guy like Ford, who 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 you don't know if you'll have to count on or not. You just might. Yeah, here's the thing too. You've got two every down types, which is great at the top of your depth chart. You got a couple of 220 plus pounders, okay? Which means not only are they capable of doing everything Alabama likes to do in that offense with the ball in their hands, as you know, they're equipped, they're built in a way that in passing situations, they've got enough butt to pick up blitzes, right? At 220 or so. Well, Jerome Ford is at 220, but he's in that 210, 215 range. Well, once you get past Jerome Ford, you're looking at Keelan Robinson, a true freshman who's listed at 184, and you've got a wide receiver slash running back slash even defensive back in Chadarius Townsend who goes 194. Now, I think Keelan Robinson in Chadarius Townsend to an extent would probably be okay uh, catching it and running with it. But again, pass protection, things like that, that's where the concerns would come in because as you go away from these – two 10 plus backs down into the low 190s and 180s chase so you know that's where you got to be careful especially with your top two guys and trying to keep them healthy uh, you've got questions about Jerome Ford as it is uh, although I, I continue to hear that there's some promise there uh, but as much as anything he's still another guy that from a size perspective can give you what you need uh, on an every down basis now willingness to pick up the blitz all that stuff that's a different animal but it starts with, are, are you capable, first and foremost? The smaller the back in pass pro, the more often you see that cut block. And I, the vet, we've talked about this, I think, in, on a podcast or two before. But there's more value in that head-up block that where, where you get somebody pretty much stonewalled. That cut block in pass pro and those sub-200-pound guys that can't really take on the head-on the head on block, yeah. they like to cut them. Uh, but but you know those 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 linebackers come and can pop up quick, Travis. Yeah, and they figure that out, you know, and they sort of anticipate that if you if you've got a 190 pound back or 185 back in there and pass pro, that that 230 Dylan Moses ain't worried about Chadarius Townsend, okay, picking him up in pass pro. You want to cut me? I, you know these guys are so athletic now, Chase. They can. They can deal with that, you know, yeah. whether it's, you know, leaping it, hurdling it, whatever they got to do, just going Superman. Like, you know, ask uh, ask uh, Trevor Knight about cut blocking <laughs> Jonathan <laughs> Allen right. a couple years ago, okay? How did that work out? You know, uh, it got there a little late and it didn't matter. So, no, it, it goes it goes back to more things, but uh, you, you're happy that it wasn't worse because the, the default – mindset right now for Alabama fans. Anytime there's buzz of an in coming from a scrimmage, it's doomsday, right? And look, Alabama fans have a reason to feel that way, but it doesn't sound like uh, it's quite to that extent with Jerome Ford. Mac Jones, the quarterback, another kind of a, a keynote from Saban's comments today. Uh, sounds like he's kind of something of a runaway as the number two guy behind Tua Tungvalu, which perhaps shouldn't be surprising. Uh, he he looked 
He looked good at times last fall. He looked he looked he looked good in the spring. He came out of the spring uh, the two. He went into the fall as two, and and now he seems to be pretty uh, entrenched. He does, you know. And we've talked about Mac Jones, and uh, you know, give the guy all the credit in the world. Uh, he is again. Uh, he has obviously spent his time wisely in the large shadows of not only Tua Tagovailoa, but Jalen Hurts. Now, he's been behind both those guys each of the last two years, but uh, he's done his diligence, obviously, and he's made the improvements, improvements physically. You know, he always figured that mentally, you know, Mac Jones was going to be absolutely fine. You know, we both know the program that he came from, so the preparation on the high school level, whereas the offense wasn't exactly what he was going to step into at Alabama, just the day-to-day expectations, right, of a football player coming from where he came from. You knew he was going to be able to handle that part. Had a little bit of a bump in the road his first fall on campus. Um, But he has done everything he needs to do. Uh, And it sounds as if he's actually, you know, you, you figured in the spring, Chase, that that gap would still be pretty wide between Mac Jones and especially Talia Tonga Vailoa. But you kind of thought in the back of your mind, well, once Talia gets on campus and starts to make some physical improvements of his own, gets a little more well-versed in the system and the speed of the play at this level, you know, we'll start to see maybe that gap narrow a little bit. Doesn't sound like that's happened. Sound like Max, if anything's hit the gas even a little bit more, which, you know, makes it even more interesting for a year from now, perhaps. Um, And ask the question of, whether or not Talia Tonga-Vailoa and or Paul Tyson can close some of that margin during the upcoming season because, as we know, might very well have a quarterback competition on our hands once again come March. The the two-quarter Tua performance is coming right back this fall. Uh, you're going to see – I mean, look, he had a lot of basically two-quarter performances last year, two-plus, uh, and – then you saw Jalen Hurts come right in there, and and um, you're talking about a former SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Nick Nick was still going to get him his reps and and, and make sure that um, that they had some offensive packages that were well oiled with Hurts at the helm. Um, but w- w- Mac Jones, obviously being far less game experienced than Hurts would have been a year ago. Uh, you can only assume that, that Nick Saban's going to look at a five-touchdown lead as uh, more than enough to, to start repping a guy that, that you could need this year and, and will for sure need next. Yeah, and the beauty of it is with the four-game redshirt rule, you can get Talia in there easily. Uh, I, I think that Talia will probably play in more than four games, if I had to guess, barring injury, uh, even with Mac Jones solidified uh, uh, clearly as the number two. You might even see Paul Tyson this year. That that four-game redshirt rule coming into effect last year really gives you some nice flexibility. But, yeah, absolutely, from Mac Jones' perspective, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're at the point yet where they feel so good about Mac Jones that they're going to kind of script him into some stuff early in games. I, 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 don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, but I also don't think there's going to be any hesitation at all uh, once things are fairly well under control to go ahead and get him out there. Yeah. 
You're listening to the Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com. Also, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer uh, with you for a little while, recapping the second and final scrimmage of the fall for the Alabama football team. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors right now before we dive into uh, a few more scrimmage topics that maybe, that maybe uh, uh, weren't part of the press conference uh, but we'll start, Travis, uh, like we always do, North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, former Alabama football player, the finest dentist in Tuscaloosa. He's over there at 1100 Fairfax Park off McFarland Boulevard. Short waits in that waiting room. Whatever your dental needs might be, they can take care of it with a highly professional staff from porcelain veneers to teeth whitening, endodontics, oral surgery, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, you name it, any kind of dentistry you need, Dr. Jack Smalley will get you taken care of. He's taken care of my teeth and my family's teeth, Travis's and Travis's family's teeth as well uh, for a long time, and they do a super job over there. The phone number is 752-3506 or go to northriverdentist.com on the web for an appointment. And with those healthy teeth, I'm going to give you a couple of great places to put them to good use. First, we'll talk about your breakfast options. Not just breakfast options, but outstanding brunch as well. Lunch, you got it. Uh, Each and every day there. At Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa and Timerson Square. Top 10 breakfast in the United States at Brick and Spoon, according to TravelAndLeisure.com. You can get that All-American it's the classic American breakfast, two eggs. I like mine over medium, but they'll cook them any way you like them. Grits, uh, bacon two ways. You get the Canadian bacon, you get the uh, traditional bacon, and an outstanding cat head-sized biscuit to sort of finish that all off. And if you're a, a Bloody Mary fan, then they've got you hooked up. They've got that build-your-own Bloody Mary, which you can essentially turn into into a meal in and of itself. Great, great stuff. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. Also want to tell you about our great friends in downtown. If you're talking about pizza, okay, and Good Bread and I were just in there this past Friday for lunch. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa. This is at Government Plaza. You know where it is. Uh, great pizzas, outstanding pizzas. The personal favorite is that Thai chicken pizza But you're not going to go, look, a simple cheese pizza is going to knock your socks off at Heat Pizza Bar. they got the margarita as well. Uh, So many great options, specialty pies, and they run specials every night. So be sure to check those out. I don't miss the $7 Thai chicken pizzas on Tuesday. Full bar, they got that Bon Voyage cocktail with the muddled strawberry, muddled basil, a little rum in there. Yeah, that's just what you need on a Monday or any day of the week, really. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. All right, the Talking Tide podcast at Piedbean.com rolls on. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. Recapping Alabama's second and final preseason scrimmage of 2019. Travis, uh, some thoughts over the next few minutes before we close things out. Maybe some things you've heard uh, buzzing around uh, the scrimmage over at Bryant-Denny Stadium today. Uh, as we know, uh, as soon as that scrimmage uh, breaks, there, there's always a, a songbird or two uh, with, with, with tidbits of info. Yeah, the offensive line is probably something we needed to touch on as well, Chase, especially the interior there. Um, 
when, when you look at guard to guard. Uh, and, and during the practice week coming out of that first scrimmage, we saw during media viewing periods multiple combinations, which tells you there's still healthy competition going on there. Uh, I think at center, Chris Owens looked like he missed a little bit of time during the week, so you wondered about his status um, at particular stages of the practice week. During the media viewing periods today, or on Saturday, we saw Chris Owens with the first group at the center position. Evan Neal, another of those true freshmen that we don't talk about enough, but at 6'7", 360, he's really hard to miss out there. And it looks like Evan Neal uh, is a real, real candidate to start his first game. Uh, as a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide, possibly at left guard. Now, what you don't know is Matt Womack, another guy, seems to have been limited this week um, You know, on the practice field, even for Saturday's scrimmage, the second scrimmage. So, you know, how does the veteran factor into that first team still uh, at right guard? Emil Echior, a redshirt freshman, we've seen him work at left guard, center, right guard. I think he's a real player. Uh, it to start somewhere up front. So the start of the upcoming week into game week, I think you're still going to have some intrigue perhaps along that offensive line. I think, though, this coming week we'll see more of that sort of take shape. Landon Dickerson, the grad transfer from Florida State, we've seen him at guard, we've seen him at center. Uh, Nick Saban really feels good about that group, as he should, because regardless of who they line up from guard to guard, and this is without Deontay Brown until the last game of September, by the way, um, they're, they're going to be good. I think they're going to be physical. They're obviously going to be very large. Um, and, and so I, I'm interested, and in, I'm interested to see how that sort of finalizes itself for now until Deontay Brown is able to go uh, again in that last game. Uh, in September, and then uh, you also had the kicking game. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, from what I understand, it was kind of more the same from Will Reichard on Saturday, especially from the place kicking standpoint. Seems to be more of a question of how much is he legitimately involved in that punting competition? Could he win that job to go along with the place kicking? Uh, so we're we're talking about some freshmen uh, at uh, the the weak side linebacker position. Uh, but it sounds like offense kicking in all three phases. You're, you're going to have some fresh faces making big impacts. I heard three field goals of 40-plus for Reichard in scrimmage number yeah. two coming off a, a, a strong scrimmage yeah. performance a week ago. That that that's a that looks like a runaway and uh, music to the ears of Alabama fans, Travis, if this guy kicks in games like he's kicked in scrimmages. Yeah, and you saw it even back in the 8A game. He was very good. Um that's exactly what they had hoped for. It, at a minimum, they were certainly expecting Will Reichard to push Joseph Bulovus, the incumbent. Uh, but it sounds like Will Reichard has gone above and beyond that with the place kicking. Maybe they break that up in terms of field goal, extra point, and kickoffs between the two. Maybe Reichard handles all of it. Um, but again, from the punting perspective, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Skylar DeLong reasserts himself there and even if he does again with what Riker's capable of doing as a punter uh the leash on Skylar DeLong if he does come out on top in the punting competition it, I, I don't suspect it'll be very long Josh Job, the cornerback who's uh going to be a, a critical factor in this Alabama defense this fall Travis I don't think there's any question about it 
Uh, I understand he had a fan of outstanding scrimmage today, and, and with Sertan playing a lot in the in that star role, uh, Job is uh, Job's performance is. And if you name three guys on, on the entire starting defense against Duke who um, who are three to keep an eye on in, in terms of where this unit is at as a whole, he'd probably be one of the three. Yeah, and I think that's something that's going to become more and more clear is that there's sort of this perception of that it's Diggs and Sertan and then a gap, and then you get to Job. And I think Job has the potential pretty quickly – to assert himself as uh, one of the triplets, I guess we we'll, might be able to call him at, at the corner because I, I think he's going to join those other two uh, in becoming more of a, a recognized name in that secondary. And with as much nickel as you know that they play, uh, he's going to be on the field all the time for the most part. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a nice thing when you got two guys that can play at corner, but when you can lock people up, on the outside and with a guy like Patrick Sertan yeah. at, at star now, now you're, you're really able to dictate to opposing offenses. And, and that's what it looks like. Alabama's going to have there, uh, at those, uh, corner and star positions, chase Josh Oak too. I like that. He brings a physicality to the position and a little bit of an edge out there. You know, there's nothing soft about Josh Job's game. Yeah. Notched an INT today, as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch in September, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Jared Maiden, uh, apparently a, lo- a lot of reps with the ones. The guy that I talked to that was at the scrimmage, Travis said he saw little, if any, of Shyam Carter, um, and we, and we know that Nick, that several guys were held out for just precautionary reasons or, or, or whatnot. Terrell Lewis, Saban mentioned today, there's no telling who uh, they decided to take the ga- yeah. gas pedal off of. Maybe Raquan Davis. Yeah, maybe yeah. Carter was one of them, but apparently Jaron Maiden got lots of, of work with the ones in the in the nickel. Yeah, that's, that's consistent with what you know we've seen and heard to this point, and it's interesting because the anticipation was for you know, those two guys, especially at that safety opposite, kind of the middle of the field safety role with Xavier McKinney playing up in the box at the money position in the in the dime as, as much as he does, uh, you know, who would sort of take over that role. And I still think we're going to see plenty of Shaheem Carter regardless. Um, you know, when they go dime, you know, I, I think we're definitely going to see Shaheem Carter. But, you know, you got to give some credit to Jared Maiden. I, I don't know. I, I certainly – you know, didn't anticipate it coming down to game week and sort of wondering whether or not it would be Carter or Maiden because of how much we saw Carter a year ago. But uh, Maiden played some important snaps himself last year. Uh, and, and from what you understand, what you hear, he's, he's made some nice strides. But uh, I think regardless, again, they feel good about their top six or so guys. What Where it gets a little dicey, and it's not because of talent. Because when you get to that that new group of uh, of guys like uh, Jalen Armour Davis, who's actually a redshirt freshman, hurt his knee last fall in pregame warmups before a game, it looks like he's come back nicely. Uh, they added guys like Brandon Turnage, uh, Scooby Carter. You know, they've got some really talented freshmen. Uh, Jordan Battle at the safety position, DeMarco Hellams, uh, but. 
there there is a pretty big drop off in terms of football played at this level once you go from that top six to that next six. Final thoughts on the scrimmage, Travis. Anything else you think um, is worth hitting on before we close this edition of Talking Tide? I'm about I, I about hit on all the points I can um, that, that I was able to come up with in kind of the, the aftermath hours uh, following that that hot workout today. Yeah, yeah, I think we're good. You know, I think uh, sort of a continued monitoring of some injuries. Uh, on that defensive line with DJ Dale out for Saturday scrimmage. Uh, know what you've got in Raekwon Davis, so no need to push that that topic, that issue. You know, LeBron Ray uh, coming off an injury of his own, and how does he sort of transition and transform into more of an interior pass rusher in his third year in the program? And if he, if he doesn't really do that, um, who are some of the candidates? Uh, I think there's – a couple of those, we talk about DJ Dale, but Justin Aboigby, uh in time, Byron Young, I think is going to be an absolute beast. Um, you know, there's still some things up front defensively, uh, sort of like the offensive line. You, you don't know exactly how it's going to play out, maybe, but you, you, you still like the prospects for that group because your eyes tell you that there is a, there is a wealth of, of extremely talented, if young, individuals in that mix. And there you have it. That'll be it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Stick around. We're going to be uh, podcasting twice weekly once we get into game week. So uh, very quickly sneaking up for sure uh, on that Duke game for the Crimson Tide to open the season. Uh, Enjoy the podcast here uh, tonight with Travis and uh, uh, look forward to the next one. Once again, uh, get it at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed, talking underscore tide. We'll talk to you next time right here.